Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. You guys know what day it is. It's Reverse Chronological Lightning Round Monday, day after the Super Bowl. I'm sure all of you are wide awake for it. I'm actually okay. It's a it's an old joke, I guess. It's really odd to me how many people are still able to do and I okay, let me let me rewind the start of that that sentence. It's odd to me how many parents are able to do Super Bowl the way they did before they were parents cuz I can't. I couldn't. I mean, there's like it's multiple kids just literally doing everything in their power to make sure that I didn't see the game. Like, my oldest was physically dancing in front of the television and yelling daddy over and over again until I looked. And so we made a deal. I was like, look, you can go nuts during the game because I don't need to hear it. I just need to see what's happening. But I need you to stop during the commercials because I know somebody's going to do something funny. And, uh, you know, it was Larry David. I love Larry David. I am Larry David. We are all Larry David. Um, Happy Monday, everybody. We got a lot to cover, a weekend to review, just a couple games from Sunday, but we'll do most of the review on a jumbo-sized Saturday as we work our way backwards through the weekend and kind of reassess things that we thought we knew after the trade deadline. Many of them did turn out to be accurate. Some of them didn't. And so we'll need to kind of tweak things a little bit here. I am Dan Bespris. You can follow me on Twitter, at Dan Bespris. Hey, um... Huge thank you to all of you guys that have done so. I, I, and I've said this before, I, I don't know when it happened that I kind of became semi-obsessed with Twitter stuff. There's a weird power dynamic there that I thought I wouldn't care about, but I do. I'm willing to admit it. Social media is working on me. I can't, I basically never open Facebook anymore. Uh, and again, I, I do believe that a lot of it has to do with using different social media platforms sort of the right way, and with Twitter, it's just get the information you need and kind of move on from there, but I hit 10,000 followers, and that's kind of crazy. So thank you, guys. It's at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. This, of course, is a Sports Ethos presentation, sportsethos.com. Ethos Fantasy BK is the Twitter news feed. Definitely follow that one as well. Let's start with the Sunday action. We'll work our way backwards, as you guys are familiar. Atlanta went into Boston and briefly had a lead and then lost it. Trey Young... Had a tough shooting game, big numbers, but a tough shooting night. Bogdan Bogdanovich had a better one. Clint Capella got some extra run because John Collins was out, and so they didn't have that small lineup to run with. So Capella got the extra minutes. Anyako Kongwu did not. There was a chance I thought maybe they'd kind of split the John Collins center minutes, but they basically just all went to Capella. And the big letdown was Danilo Gallinari, who had five points in 23 minutes at a start at power forward. You figured... All right, he's got an opportunity here, but Bogdan was playing so well. I mean, Kevin Herter fouled out of this game. It did seem like there was opportunity, and Gallo just stunk. I'm going to stick with him for a couple more ballgames with Collins out, and Gallo was putting up about top 120 numbers with Collins in, doing his stuff off the bench. I think Gallo was around 24 minutes or so, 24, 24 and a half, something in that neck of the woods, and he was at top 120, so you figured put an extra three, I don't know, minutes into the bucket, and instead it went the wrong way. In any event, I'll give it another game. Uh, otherwise, not much to speak of on the Atlanta side. Collins out through the All-Star break, so at least we know what to expect this week from a 
I don't know. I don't know if we know what to expect from a starting lineup standpoint, but I do think there's a chance Okongwu might get a couple extra minutes in one of these two games. If not, if you got a if if you have Capella, this is a great opportunity to maybe try to sell before Collins comes back, or just try to enjoy it for a couple of games because he has trended down, and it's probably not pivoting. Derek White looks good in his first couple games. Didn't shoot the ball well in this one, but he's getting plenty of opportunity. He's got that great fantasy stat set. This is a good spot for him. Really nice landing spot. We'll see what Daniel Tice does to the situation. I think he's mostly just a kind of a safety net if anything happens to the Time Lord or Al Holford. I, I, you know, I don't expect him to play significant minutes uh, most nights, and so I wouldn't make any massive adjustments here. Um, Time Lord... Uh, kind of normal. Pedestrian game. Five turnovers is pretty weird. Otherwise, he sort of did his usual stuff. Minnesota beat Indiana on the road. High-scoring game, and there will be a few of those here with the Pacers. They're not about to play any defense. Not when things are going the wrong way. And, and certainly not until they get their two starters back. If they get their two starters back, it's still not totally set in stone. On the Minnesota side, you can pretty much start the starters. I know Jared Vanderbilt has cooled off a little bit, and... Uh, I've actually gotten a lot of questions on Vanderbilt. I kind of promised that we would we would talk about him a little bit more. He's still number 76 on the season. So I get it, but also, like, even if you look at the last month, he's inside the top 90. There's, it's not even a misconception because he has slowed down a little bit. You know, top 75 on the season, inside the top 90 the last month, and it's kind of trending the wrong way. I get the feeling from watching these games with Vanderbilt that he's just kind of low on gas right now. That he's an energy guy. Maximum energy all the time. And and he was doing a lot of his damage. Offensive rebounds, steals, blocks, field goal percent. And the field goal percent is still going to be fine. He's still doing that. Uh, the steals and blocks and the rebounds have trended down along with the minutes kind of trending down a little bit. And to me, this is just a guy who was thrust into a huge role this season after first couple years in the NBA, basically didn't play minutes. You know, last season was the first time we saw him get any kind of opportunity, he averaged about 18 minutes a game. And this season, he was up around 27 for a long stretch of time. I think he's just winded. So you're sticking with Vanderbilt. Hang on tight. All of the other stuff with him looks fine. The minutes have just come down a little bit because he's gassed. You know, the blocks are down, the steals are down, same kind of thing. And really, it's been kind of like the last like six, seven games. So we're only talking about a couple of weeks here where things have trended the wrong way. And even during, like, first couple games in February, he was still quite good. 18-9 and nine with a couple of steals, 13-6, and six, two steals and a block. He has a couple of 11 rebound games mixed in there. But remember, a lot of his damage is on the offensive glass. If he's not getting a bunch of offensive rebounds, the total number is probably going to be a little bit lower. The two games they had against Sacramento, he had 11 rebounds in each of them. The first one, only four of those were defensive rebounds. In Chicago, one offensive rebound. Indiana, two offensive rebounds. He's he's tuckered out. But no, you can't move on. A couple of games from him where... Things have gone the wrong way is not enough to move on from. He's too good at rebounding, steals, blocks, field goal percent, low turnovers. He's a great roto player. I get it in head-to-head, you know, last week, really. I mean, that's what we're talking about now. We're not we're not talking about more than like about 10 days with Vanderbilt where things have been really not good. Two weeks, he's still inside the top 125. 
because the steals and blocks are lower, because the rebounds are down a little bit. If his, if, if his minutes come back up by two or three a game and the energy comes back up, he's right where you need him to be. He's got such a nice floor with the rebounds, the steals, the blocks, and the field goal percent. It's very easy for him to maintain a certain level. Right. Okay. Right now, this last week and a half, he's at streamer level. But that's kind of as bad as it's going to get. If you have someone where the bad weeks are stream level, so kind of like top 120 range, but the good weeks are more like top 60, that's a guy you start, and you just try not to worry about the week to week unless something significant takes place. And oh boy, how about Tyrese Halliburton? I know. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon probably going to play at some point. I don't think he's going to play full minutes. My money's on Brogdon playing like 25 to 28 minutes a game. Yes, that's not zero. So that's going to take playmaking away from Halliburton. But Brogdon's not going to play every ball game. We still don't know when he's going to come back. Maybe it'll be this week. Maybe it'll be right after the break. Whatever. They're not really trying to win all that badly. A lot of the time it's going to be Halliburton's engine ship to steer and 22 and 16. Ooh, boy. No, you're not trusting Lance Stevenson. I know Chris Duarte got hurt. He's out through the all-star break with a, a messed up big toe, but it's not enough. I can't. You can't dive in on the Stevenson thing. Uh, O'Shea Brissett is an all-systems go player right now. He looks like he's locked in until Miles Turner comes back, and then we can kind of reassess. It's a, I mean, there's a possibility he still is good even after Miles returns, but we know he will be good until then. So it's good to know, it's good to roll with what you know. Very much a streamers with benefits type of scenario. That's what that expression means. Streamers with benefit. Someone you pick up where you know there's going to be positive value in the short term, and there might be positive value even after your expected stream. Those are the benefits. So pick up Brissette if you didn't already. I think we talked about him on Friday's show, uh, and yeah, fire him up. Buddy Buddy Heald is a fire him up guy. I know he had a bad shooting game, but it looks like he's going to have a, a massive role here, especially with Duarte out, who was kind of the only player on the roster that can challenge him for wing minutes. All the other Indiana wings went back to Sacramento. And then Jalen Smith is sort of the curious case of uh, 17 points, 12 rebounds, a three-pointer on a block. Terrific game in 23 minutes for Jalen, who we're getting kind of mixed signals about out of Indiana. Uh, Rick Carlisle was talking about how uh, he was going to be a part of the rotation during, I think, post-game comments after this one. But then we also heard after the trade deadline that Indiana was going to be exploring what they could get for Jalen Smith on the open market. So we don't really know. It's not not crystal clear what they're going to do with him. My impression of the situation is that 23 minutes for him, which is what we saw on Sunday, is probably a short-term target. But if Goga Batadze happens to have a good ball game, which I know, heaven forbid, uh, it hasn't happened often, and that's why I tried to warn you guys incessantly that he can't keep up with the NBA. He's not fast enough. Sorry. If you're not, if you're not super fast, you need to be really good at other stuff, and he's not. Sorry. I'm not, I'm, trying, I'm not trying to pick on Goga. I just had so many of you guys on Twitter yell at me about it. It's Goga time, Goga time. And I kept saying, nah, man, like, Goga had a chance last year, too. And he pooped on it. He's just not NBA. He's one tiny sliver below NBA ready. He's a solid G leaguer, but can't, you know, it's like they call him the 4A guys in baseball. He's a good AAA player, but just can't quite figure out the big league stuff. So I'm not worried about Goga, but he will have a good game every now and again. 
And then when he does, you guys are all going to yell at me, oh, it's Goga time, and then he's going to go back to stinking for two or three games in a row. But on that good one, Jalen Smith's minutes could trend back down a little bit because he's going to, right now at least, peel off some minutes at center and peel off some minutes at power forward where O'Shea Brissett was actually doing a lot of his damage. And then you look down the line at what about when Miles Turner comes back? That pushes Batadze down a rung. It pushes Smith down a rung. It, it even pushes Brissett down a rung, although I think O'Shea is probably your power forward. And what about when Isaiah Jackson comes back, who Indiana's very high on, but now they're worried about this ankle thing. He tried to come back. He wasn't healthy enough, re-aggravated. So now they're going to probably sit him for a while. Right now is your opportunity. Jalen Smith could play his way into this role for a couple of weeks. I I don't know that I can trot him out there in 23 minutes of ballgame without knowing that there was an arrow pointed up from there. And I don't think that there is. Even if they end up deciding that they like him and want to develop him a little bit, I, I don't see him getting much higher than this number. This felt kind of like a best-case scenario. Admittedly, Tristan Thompson was still there. I've got to think they buy him out. Don't they buy him out? I didn't even look up the contractual stuff. I assume he's a buyout candidate because what the hell is he doing on this team playing 15 minutes? So that'll open up a couple more minutes in the short term as well. And that's why, yeah, maybe you know you could take a flyer on him in maybe more of a head-to-head scenario. I don't think I have the stones to trot him out there in a, a games cap roto situation. Hey, we got new information for you guys from our good buddies at expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Hey, uh, did you know that using the internet without ExpressVPN is like checking in your bags at the airport without a lock? You think your stuff is kept private, but you never know who's going through your crap. I don't know what you guys pack in your, your suitcase. For me, uh, the thing that I really didn't want people touching was broadcast equipment, oddly enough. I used to travel uh, with broadcast equipment regularly. This was way back. It was like 2011 when I was doing a podcast for pregame.com. I had to travel with my mixer, and I don't know what's happening to that stuff. I tried to do it in carry-on, but I got a lot of sideways looks and a lot of random pat-downs with (laughs) big electronics in my carry-on bag. It all ended up fine. Um, but I don't know. Think about your bag. What do you not want somebody rifling through after you check it? That's what you're doing with the internet. You're just floating through without a lock. When you go online without a VPN, ISPs can see every single website you visit. They can then legally sell that information without your consent to ad companies, tech giants, whoever, and then they use that data to target you. So this is like somebody going through your suitcase, finding your broadcast equipment, and then hounding you, like coming up, coming to your door every day and trying to sell you a microphone. But think about that in a much more lewd and lascivious manner. Like if somebody came to my door with a microphone, I'd be like, this is weird, but I guess I'm not all that creeped out. But think about something you might be traveling with. What about medicines? What if somebody knew what medicines you were taking and they came to your door? That's messed up. Why should you use ExpressVPN? Because then you can browse anonymously. When you use expressvpn.com slash hoopball, ISPs can't see your activity. Your identity is 
protected by a secure VPN server. Your data is encrypted. It's easy to use. You fire up the app, you click one button, and it works on all of your devices, phones, laptops, even routers. You can install it on a router. So everyone who shares your Wi-Fi could be protected. That's pretty damn cool. Then you don't need to run it on each individual machine. I use expressvpn.com to protect my privacy and to allow me to stream videos without people knowing what I'm watching. So secure your online activity by visiting our special link, expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Today, yes, the old name, expressvpn.com slash hoopball, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L. Get three extra months free on your 12-month subscription. 15 months for the price of 12. ExpressVPN. Check them out. Let's go back to Saturday as we continue to roll through. Big, busy Saturday in the association. Knicks were in Portland the Knicks are a disaster right now, falling apart. And all right, so like I get it, the Lakers lost this team as well. Uh, Portland is not a total pushover at the moment. They're playing super hard. This is like beginning of the season Wizards stuff. What did we learn? Well, uh, Mitchell Robinson is questionable. If we knew for a fact that he was going to miss a couple of games, you might be able to fire up a Taj Gibson stream, but I don't think that I'd advise it. By the way, Evan Fournier, terrible ball game, but still getting his shots. He's very much a go right now. Just accept the bad one. Overall, things are good. Quentin Grimes got the start at small forward with no R.J. Barrett. Put up a good ball game, uh, but, you know, this is very Barrett-dependent, so I'm probably leaving that one alone. I'm more interested in the Portland side. Josh Hart got his first start and played 36 minutes. Didn't rebound, interestingly. Although, I'll tell you what. If Hart stays healthy and gives up some rebounds to get there, I'm probably okay with that. We'll see how it shakes out. Anyway, he's a go. Justice Winslow, very much a go. We mentioned that on Friday's show. Once Portland didn't change anything at their power forward spot at the actual deadline, after making the trade earlier in the week, or late the previous week, actually, Winslow became a must-own guy. Everything for him is going to come down to what his percentages look like between now and the end of the year. And that is both the beauty and the insanity of fantasy basketball. If we were talking about Winslow over an 82-game season, We know his percentages would drag his value down. Even at a starter's level role, he basically wasn't going to go any higher than about top 100 because of field goal percent, because of free throw percent. In a short run here, all-star break to the end of the year, we're talking about less than two months. He could just have two months where he shoots a little better than his career mark. It doesn't have a time. It doesn't have time for a full mean reversion. Like maybe he shoots 46% the rest of the way. Or maybe his free throw is like 72% instead of mid-60s. That type of weird little stuff happens because they're not machines. And if his percentages are decent, he could be a top 75 guy the rest of the way. If they're not, he probably is in that 120 range. But again, we're talking that's that same thing that we were even talking about just a couple minutes ago. Uh Guys that are O's, Jared Vanderbilt. Guys where the streamer zone is their floor are guys you should start every ballgame. You kind of just hope for the best. You close your eyes. It's, I, I used to refer to it as Danny Green syndrome back when he got full starters minutes. He was going to go for one rebound, one assist, and one steal one night. And then the next night, he was going to hit seven threes with four steals and three blocks. And you were like, what? In the, why didn't I... Because you just don't know which one's going to be the good one. And at the end of the month, you looked up and it was like, oh, okay, Danny Green is still top 85. Fine. If I could have magically figured out which games were going to be the total clunkers, that that level of clairvoyancy would have 
would make fantasy basketball very easy. But also, that's the thing. Top 85 guys are not going to be consistently 85 level every ball game. They're going to be 45 some nights and 200 others. I think that's where we're at with Winslow. Fire him up. This is his job and hope his body hangs in there. Sacramento beat Washington on the road. Washington is going to be in weird, they're going to be in dire straits the rest of the way. Uh, I do want to talk about the Wizards. Kings are a shorter discussion. Dante DiVincenzo in town and playing. Mo Harkless back and playing and had himself a near-perfect ball game. You're not picking up Mo Harkless. I know he's had a good run here, but you know he's shooting way out of his mind. Five shots in 30 minutes is not going to translate. Sabonis, Barnes, Fox, those are all fine. Uh, Justin Holiday is worth a mention. He played 30 minutes, 12 points, two boards, two assists, a steal, and four three-pointers. It's actually possible that he stays above the cut line. I thought for sure, well, maybe I shouldn't phrase it like that. I thought there was a pretty damn good chance that Holiday, DiVincenzo, Davion Mitchell, and Jeremy Lamb, when he comes back, are all going to end up sharing minutes. And that's kind of the thing hanging over whatever's going on in King's country is... Who does Jeremy Lamb take his minutes from when he comes back? Is it Holiday? Is it Maytoo? I don't know. I think I'd probably leave them all alone. And then with Rashawn Holmes, he does really look like he's going pretty much straight back up center at the moment. Pretty damn close. Not a perfect match, but pretty damn close. Which is going to make him a drop. Uh, we saw Rashawn Holmes' mom, actually, on Twitter talking about how he had lost someone close to him and that his, his headspace might be a little bit messed up right now. But look, we're at a point, you know, we're, we're like a month and a half into this weird Rashawn Holmes nosedive. And I don't know if it was the trade rumors and then now bringing in someone that's ahead of him in the pecking order. I'm sure he's going to still play very hard in his 17 minutes off the bench. But 17 ain't enough. We're back where we were with Rashawn Holmes two years ago. He's probably a drop. He's been so good, if you really want to give him another game or two leading into the break, I'm fine with that, but he's probably going to be a drop. And as far as Washington goes, Kyle Kuzma, he's a start. Daniel Gafford might be back. So what does that do at the center position until Kristaps Porzingis comes around? I don't think I want anything to do with Thomas Bryant or Daniel Gafford. I have no interest in Rui Hachimura. I had passing interest in Contavious Caldwell-Pope as a 3-and-D guy, but it looks like he's going to be resigned to mostly just the same old crap he always done. Uh, I have a watch list order placed on Denny Avdia, but he's not really ramping up his involvement. Aul Neto and Ish Smith are likely to split the point guard minutes, and Corey Kispert was the guy that I, I sort of kicked the tires on a little bit. I was texting with somebody about it. I can't, even, can't remember what the, what the context was at the time. I think it was Rhett, our dynasty guy. Uh, he's going to get a bunch of shots because he's a starting shooting guard and they're going to work on developing a little bit. But the six assists, the three rebounds, no steals, uh, no blocks, doesn't get defensive stats. And generally, the peripheral stuff is worse than this game. You could look at Kispert in a points league where you could just hope that he scores, you know, 15 plus with some threes. And then, you know, if he's out there long enough, tumbles nose first into the other stuff. But there ain't going to be much there. He's not a category league guy. San Antonio beat New Orleans on the road. Spurs look reinvigorated right now. Devin Vassell, starting lineup iteration, Devin Vassell. 
I know that DeJounte Murray is absolutely the story right now. But Devin Vassell in the starting lineup, kicking butt. And like we talked about, big winner from trade deadline day. Keldon Johnson has actually looked okay last few games, but uh, he's a bit more suited for points leagues as well. And then as New Orleans goes, uh, folks kept asking me what they should do with Herb Jones. You, you stick with him. He's actually not really slowed almost at all. He doesn't need usage. That's the other nice thing. I, call, I told you guys Devontae Graham was likely a drop anytime Brandon Ingram is around. Now that CJ McCollum's there, they don't even really need Graham to run the point when Ingram is out. So Graham is a drop in pretty much all formats. And then Jackson Hayes, probably also a drop. I thought he might stick it at 25 minutes with Larry Nance not healthy. Uh, but McCollum is playing more minutes than Josh Hart did. And... Uh, one of the odd little footnotes on this is I, I thought with McCollum coming in, who generally doesn't rebound as well as Josh Hart, that they might need to go bigger to cover up for that. McCollum had 11 rebounds in this game. So it looks like New Orleans is going to go very heavy on the starters with the exception of their point guard spot because they don't really need one. They can kind of mix and match who gets the minutes elsewhere. I think Jackson Hayes is probably also a drop. If you'd like to give him one more game, same story, have at it. Have a wing dig but probably also getting chopped. Memphis beat Charlotte. This ballgame was a huge Memphis lead that they almost biffed late. Desmond Bain, big one, bounced back after a couple slow ones. De'Anthony Melton, big game in only 16 minutes. Brandon Clark took advantage of the fact that JJJ and Steven Adams fouled out. I don't care how we get there, but 32 minutes of Brandon Clark is delicious. I am so sick and tired of defending Brandon Clark. We are now almost two months into him as a sixth-round value. He's just a start. No qualifiers. I don't care if he's playing 22 minutes some ball games. That's enough. People hate that. I don't know why people hate that, because he doesn't score much, his turnovers are low, and everybody's like, well, I'm punting turnovers anyway. You don't have to. We talked to Adam Stock about this during the preseason. He prefers uh, not a full turnover punt, just kind of like a don't worry about them so much. You don't have to attack guys that have low turnovers to balance your team. But if you end up with them, you could accidentally win turnovers a bunch of the time and all of the time against the teams in your head-to-head -head leagues that are punting turnovers. Let alone the roto side of things. If you have a team that racks up good numbers and has good percentages with low turnovers, that's big roto points. I know I'm a roto guy and not all of you guys are. So And Clark is much more fun in Roto, where he's just mashing your field goal percent up the board. The week-to-week -week stuff and head-to-head. -head, well, well, you know, I'm, whatever. I love him. You should, too. End of story. Over on the Charlotte side, Montrez Harrell, big ball game here. 20-9, and nine, and pretty much took P.J. Washington's minutes. Curious to see how this one shakes out going forward. Charlotte had to mix and match a little bit. Starters besides Terry Rozier weren't really getting it done early in this ballgame. So Montrez gave him a little energy. They liked what Plumlee was doing, so he got bonus run. And that carved into P.J. Washington. Most ballgames, I think P.J.'s going to play enough. And he had a steal in three blocks to make sure this wasn't the worst game on earth. It was pretty bad, though. Uh, Denver beat Toronto. Nikola Jokic, game-saving block. I think some. I saw a stat that Denver has like three of those this year, which is pretty crazy. No fantasy notes there, just, you know, kind of a fun little story. On the Toronto side, no Thad Young. Sounded like he might make his Toronto debut. He did not. 
Chris Boucher played only 16 minutes here as they went back to a very starters-heavy run. Siakam, 42 minutes. Someone's going to die on that team. I don't... It's dangerous. Anytime any one of those guys is out, Boucher's in good shape. I wouldn't drop him yet. When we see how Thad fits in, then we can reassess. And hopefully that'll be soon, because, you know, Thad Young's fun. I like Thad. We'll see what happens, I suppose. Uh, if he doesn't play in their next ball game, I probably move on. I don't think I can wait any longer. Philly beat Cleveland. Matisse Thybul, six steals, and he'll do that every once in a while, but he has not been rosterable despite the minutes lately. I think teams are realizing they, they got to try something else with him around. On the Cleveland side, there's going to be an adjustment period here. That's what you're seeing. Karis LeVert off the bench. They were hoping he could kind of run the bench unit, but that goofed up Kevin Love's role. He's been sort of running the bench unit along with some ball distributing point guard like a Rajon Rondo or Ricky Rubio before him. I think you see the Cavs move bodies around over the next little bit. Like, I think you probably see Levert back in the starting lineup on days when Rondo is playing. This was a back-to-back. I don't know. This wasn't, this was not my favorite alignment for them. And they had trouble scoring as a result. So they'll, I, I think they'll probably massage it a little bit. Philly's going to look pretty different in a couple of ball games. We did get word that Harden's out through the All-Star break. He's not going to be playing in All-Star stuff either. So Tyrese Maxey has a few more games where he can kind of get funky with it. Uh, I'm tempted to, t- to throw the dice down on Danny Green, but I'm going to probably leave all that stuff alone. Yeah, just leave it alone. Miami got the win over Brooklyn despite Jimmy Butler being kind of bad. Rare turn of events. He hasn't had many of these pedestrian ball games. He'll be fine. Adebayo was good. He's been, well, a lot better, really, since he came back from his injury. Uh, Miami won this game, and I don't fully know how. Because, like, there weren't many guys on the Heat that played all that great. There are just a handful of guys that played pretty good. And that got it done because Brooklyn is cut down these days. Kyrie Irving uh, got to play on this road game, and he's going to put up big numbers when he does. Now they come home... And they're going to be working in some new bodies. Seth Curry, Andre Drummond. It sounds like the Marcus Aldridge might be coming back. I'm not sure you... And, you know, Seth Curry to me is probably the safest of that bunch because he's just going to get starters minutes. He'll probably play small forward or maybe even point guard or move Patty Mills down and let Seth Curry play shooting guard. So Seth, I'd start in his first game with Brooklyn. Drummond, his first game, I don't think I'd start him. LaMarcus Aldridge, first game back from the big ankle thing, I don't think I'd start him either. Kessler Edwards, I don't think I'd start him. Cam Thomas, he might be the, the closest. Mills is pretty close. Uh, I think I might just play Seth Curry if I'm in a Roto League. Trucking along. Chicago beat Oklahoma City. Took more effort than it should have, but they got there. DeMar DeRozan's been on a furious run, and Zach Levine is out for a little bit here. They're, they're a little worried about his knee. It was the back, now it's the knee, uh, which means there's a whole lot of stuff. DeMar's going to take a ton of shots. Vooch is going to get a bunch of shots, but I think there's probably enough now for both Kobe White and Ayo Desunmu, although we will see when Javante Graham comes back. Most likely, he just takes Troy Brown Jr.'s spot in the starting lineup. Does he get enough shots? See, that's my fear with Javante Graham, or Javante Green, excuse me. Uh, 
did I call him Graham the first time around? If I did, I apologize. Javante Green is not a uh, he's a decent steals and blocks guy, and that's what we're kind of learning this year. We'd seen hints of it in the past, but he never really played any minutes. And I'm a little worried that those come back down a little. You know, he's playing 14 minutes a game in Boston. Steals were pretty good there, but he wasn't blocking any shots. So the .6 blocks this year feels a little on the high side. But also, again, you know, player plays their first legitimate minutes. You kind of have to just say, okay, well, maybe this is who they are. My fear with Green is that he's shooting 54% on the year with one and a half. He's attempting one and a half three-pointers. So, you know, folks are looking at him like, oh, maybe you get some threes out of him. You're not really. You're not going to get threes. Even if he plays starters minutes, you're not really going to get three-pointers. He doesn't rebound all that well. It's fine. Starters minutes will probably get you like four and a half to five rebounds. I guess that's not terrible. Doesn't pass much. So it's really going to have to be about field goal percent and steals, I'm, it's a little iffy in my estimation. Free throw percent is fine. He's not going to be doing damage there either way. So I'm probably not doing the Javante Green thing. I am going Vooch, DeRozan, White, and DeSumo. I'll start our four of those guys. And the first two is like, way to go out on a limb, Dan. On the OKC side, hey, they let Josh Giddy play 33 minutes. He was supposed to be on a 30-minute cap, but they let him go a little bit. So maybe that was kind of horse bleep. Oh, we're going to keep him limited a little bit, or we're going to try to. Mm, we'll see. Lou Dort is out for their next ball game, And I have tons of questions for Oklahoma City, because it sounds like uh, Aaron Wiggins might be ready. Uh, he, he played in this ball game, but it sounds like he might be ready to play a little bit more again. Alexei Pokashevsky was playing starters level minutes off the bench. He went back down to 15 because Isaiah Roby came back and played 24 minutes. Pretty good ones, actually, mind you. But I'm not adding him. Giddy, you can start. Dort, when he's healthy, you can start. Poku was on the fence, but if his minutes are up in the air again, I don't think you can start him. And then Darius Baisley has actually been decent lately. The percentages are still going to kill you. He's very much a go in points leagues. No question about it. Absolutely. In 9-cat, he's been good enough lately. He shot 42% from the field, 70% at the free throw line, but on the shoulders of one and a half three-pointers, one and a half steals, and one block, which is pretty good. I mean, you're talking about about four cash counters there, 14 points, nine rebounds over the last two weeks. That's been enough to sort of overwhelm the bad percentages. But can that last? I'm skeptical. I say go ahead. Stream away. I feel much more comfortable streaming him in head-to-head than I do in Roto, but I think you could probably stream him in both right now. But just be ready. If Shea plays again after the All-Star break, that probably smashes him because he's not going to get 21 shots when Gilgis Alexander's around. And I don't know if they eventually give Aaron Wiggins that job back because he was starting before he got hurt. Warriors-Lakers, that was a fun game. Klay Thompson went nuts in the fourth quarter. He's starting to look like himself again these days. 33 points, 5 boards, 5 threes, good percentages. Missed his first free throw since coming back. Isn't that crazy? Taylor Norton Tucker's actually played pretty well for the Lakers lately. Not enough for me to do anything with him on the fantasy side. Same story for Austin Reeves. That team is LeBron, who actually had a really bad game against the Warriors. I know the 26-15-8 looks good, but he was super inefficient. 
missed his free throws, missed his shots. He Lakers win that game if LeBron is normal LeBron because the other guys were actually pretty good in a weird twist. Actually, Anthony Davis wasn't that great either. This game was a good... This game was, I think, a positive. Like The Lakers were in good spirits after losing a close ball game here because they their key guys were not good, and they almost beat a really good team. But no, fantasy-wise, meh. Jonathan Kaminga's getting some attention as a potential streamer. I wouldn't do it in Roto. His percentages are a mess most ball games, particularly free throw. And he's not doing enough of the other stuff. Doesn't it three-pointers? Steals and blocks are actually lower than you might expect. It's kind of points and some rebounds with him. Hasn't quite gotten there. Otto Porter playing 24 minutes, I guess, was a good sign for can his body hold up. But overall, I think you leave things alone in that Warriors side as well. Clippers beat the Mavs. Norman Powell, broken foot. That sucks. Throw him on your injured list. We don't have a timeline yet, so don't drop yet. But I guess at the very least, it does have a little bit of a... Uh, addition by subtraction kind of thing for the fantasy value of other guys. Luke Kennard is dealing with some ankle soreness, so he might also miss a ball game. But then look at what happened. Like, Nick Batum started, but he only played 19 and a half minutes. Amir Coffey got 30 off the bench. And then the other starters got normal starters minutes. Marcus Morris, Reggie Jackson, Ivica Zubots, Terrence Mann. Those guys all played big minutes in this game. There's no guarantee they do again in the next one. Zubats, I feel comfortable starting. That's about it. You might see one of these guys, like Terrence Mann might have another good game the next time out, but that doesn't mean the next one will be good. This is a situation where, you know, comparing it to the Vanderbilt discussion from earlier, the good for Terrence Mann is like a top 80 type of game instead of like a top... 50 or top 40 like we talked about with Vanderbilt if he has a good game that's like a top 40 type of game and then the bad with him is in that top 120 125 range with Terrence Mann the bad is like top 200 the good is like top 80 so I think this levels out for most of these guys outside standard league same deal for Marcus Morris who's taking a lot of shots but he's completely stopped rebounding in order of who I would consider throwing into a lineup on the Clippers right now it's Zubats who I think I would start Reggie Jackson and Marcus Morris are the guys that are, like, sort of in the mix right behind. Reggie is finally getting some assists, and that's the thing that could kind of push him over the threshold, even if the field goal percent is bad. And then Marcus Morris is taking a ton of shots, so you hope there you get a handful of rebounds, which we didn't, and some three-pointers. Those are the maybes behind Zubats. We didn't get a chance to see Spencer Dinwiddie on the Dallas side. When we do, we'll make some calls at that point. Maxi Kleba, Dwight Powell look like they're just going to share the center spot. So, meh, you can move on from both of them. Phoenix annihilated Orlando, which created all the fun of blowout minutes, as per usual. I wouldn't read too much into it. Everybody keeps asking me if they should drop Mo Bamba. Here's the thing. He's top 90 in 22 minutes a game. So, no. I know he's down from where he was earlier in the year, but he's not a drop. Nothing else I think changes for me on the Orlando side. Jalen Suggs is a very interesting stash. If you can handle the fact that he doesn't take three-pointers and the free throw percent is going to not be great sometimes and the turnovers are going to be real high, he has the profile and the athleticism and apparently the keys to the car to where this could be a very interesting finish to the year for him, particularly in formats that de-emphasize turnovers and percentages, but I think he might even be able to do enough to kind of overwhelm those as well that's my hope 
Last five, six weeks of the year, that's where guys like that start to piece it together a little bit. A reminder, as always, check out our buddies at ThriveFantasy.com and the Thrive Fantasy app. Prop up. Lots of you listeners are winning at ThriveFantasy.com. It's so easy, so fun to really hone in on the key players on a card on a given night. What do you think Julius Randle's going to do tonight? Cool. There's your prop. What do you think Alec Burks is going to do tonight? Nah, he's not on the board for you. You don't have to worry about that. Aaron Wiggins, probably don't need to worry about that. De'Aaron Fox, yeah. Demonis Sabonis, sure. Thrive Fantasy allows you to focus on the superstars when you're making your over and under calls. Put together the best over-under prop call lineup. Pick 10 out of 20, win money. And if you deposit with our code, which, by the way, is a special offer, you can't get that just poking around on the website by yourself. Use the promo code ETHOS, E-T-H-O-S, when you sign up, put in just a $10 deposit. That's all you got to do to start. And get a deposit match on that, extra 10 bucks in your account. And, this is the special part, two $20 contest entry vouchers. Most codes don't come with that. That's special for Sports Ethos and our partnership with Thrive Fantasy. So sign up today. Promo code is ethos, thrivefantasy.com. Follow our DFS team for calls on these types of things. You can win money. You get so many opportunities with just that quick $10 deposit. You're going to love it. I promise you're going to have the time of your life. And what's the worst thing that happens? You lose your 10 bucks that we probably won for you for free over at MyBookie anyway, which, by the way, shout out MyBookie, promo code HOOPBALL over there. Maybe you guys won some money on the Super Bowl. I don't know. And Manscaped. I'll tell you guys more about Manscaped uh, probably on tomorrow's show. Save that one. Although I used it today. Sideburn trim. My beard was getting ridiculous. Rabinic, I think, would be a term for it. Uh, Let's go back to Friday. I think a couple teams didn't play over the weekend, if I'm not mistaken. The Pistons were one of them. Uh, we still haven't had a chance to see what Marvin Bagley's going to do, so that's actually a really interesting thing. Pistons go tonight. Does he get in, and for how much? What does it impact? I actually I really don't know. Does it impact Olenek, who's already sort of off the board? Does it impact Isaiah Stewart? Did it impact Jeremy Grant? Meh. I don't think Bagley's going to get to do all that much. Call me a cynic. But I think they're going to sort of just roll them out there, see what happens, and if it's not going great, meh. You know, a chance to look at a young guy, get off some money in the process. You guys know the deal. A lot of financial moves being made these days. Uh, and Utah didn't play over the weekend, but Rudy Gobert, questionable for their ball game tonight. Hopefully nothing's changed while I've done this podcast. For now... That's a good sign. My guess would be if he comes back, he probably plays 24, 25 minutes. That's enough to get Rudy into your lineup. It's also enough to obliterate the Hassan Whiteside stream, which was actually shaping up quite nicely here over the last couple of ballgames. It's also going to probably render Royce O'Neal, I don't want to say irrelevant, but certainly much less interesting. He falls back towards that kind of top 110, 115, 120 range, as opposed to more like top 90 when uh, Gobert is on the shelf. And Utah can go back to being pretty good again. Because love Donovan Mitchell and Gobert back in the lineup. Maybe. I guess it might not happen. Getting ahead of myself here. And that's it. 
There you go. That's your reverse chronological lightning round. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Again, I am Dan Vespers at Dan Vespers on Twitter. Hey, recruiting pitch. Want to learn how to blurb? That's run a news feed. Hit me up on Twitter at Dan Vespers. Or some of you guys I know follow me because of my uh, sports betting stuff. Although I don't know if you listen to the podcast because of it. We are looking for a handicapper at HoopBall as well. That's ah, not HoopBall. It's Sports Ethos. Ethos Wagering is the division. We're going to do this like once a week, probably forever. I said HoopBall. How many times did I say HoopBall for the first, you know, four and a half, five years of this podcast? A couple thousand? More? That's hard to get out of your vernacular, especially when a bunch of your sponsors, that's still the promo code. Which, by the way, quick reminder there, uh, expressvpn.com slash HoopBall. Special link, Thrive Fantasy. The promo code is Ethos at my bookie. We or uh, the promo code is still Hoopball, H W O P B A L L, just like uh, ExpressVPN on the link. And Manscaped. We have two codes: Hoopball twenty or Ethos twenty. Twenty percent off, free shipping on your order over there. So lots of good ways to get cool stuff. Uh, again, please do follow me on Twitter. I do a lot over there. Probably too much. It's not healthy, but. Whatever. It is what it is at this point. Have a great Monday, everybody. Back at you tomorrow in the swing of things these days.